this this is the dumpster. Love it or leave it, you know? I choose to cagily remain within it and hold my cards close to my chest. Hedging your bets, typical. And I'll I'll publish a tell-all years from now in which I talk shit about the whole experience. Well, Chris, if I could get a contributor's fee on that, I'd appreciate it. Certainly. I'm willing to dish all the dirt on myself. I'm going to give you all kinds of points on this thing. <laughs> thanks, thanks, brother. You're going to be a very rich man. I mean, speaking of sharing percentages, mm-hmm. the method, Chris. Wow. How you like that segue? It was... Uh, a segue. It was, it, would you say it was ham-fisted, but then if you said that, would you mean it because people love ham? I would say that it is to segues what the segue is to transportation. It does do the, th- <laughs> it does do the thing, but it's kind yeah, of nobody, like the worst version of it. Yeah, nobody can argue that it that it didn't perform its function. That's right. It absolutely got us from point A to point B. And for that, I guess I owe you a thanks. Now, Chris, I want to talk a minute about the etymology of the term ham-fisted. Because yes. either way, either I way I look at up. this thing, uh I don't I don't see a negative. I mean it's often used in a derisive manner to say that your you know your methods <laughs> uh were clumsy. Is it? I uh, that's not the way I use it. I use it to refer to like a um you know pleasantly oafish person. I say, "Ah, my 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 grandfather didn't have much of an education, but he was ham-fisted." Yeah, okay. I mean, but yeah, yeah, all I mean is that it's uh it's, it's not no, no I don't yeah, I don't use it. It's not it's neither keen nor nuanced. All right. No, but it's you're right. It's it's pejorative and that's yeah. I, I think you make a strong case or, or are about to. Hey, hear me out, man. <laughs> hear me out before yeah, you please. before you roll over and right. show me your underbelly, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm so not so look, sure about this. Now, look, I'm not, uh, I'm not a meat eater. You know this. Yeah, but I, but I'd have to assume that uh, a a fist sized chunk of ham is a good serving size. Certainly, a, that, that's dinner. About, yeah, that's about what you want to eat. So, so if you got a fist sized chunk of ham, that's pretty good. You wouldn't complain. Now, if you're saying that your fist is like a ham slab, mm-hmm. that also seems okay. It's dense. It's the right size. It's, you know, yeah, it's the you know the right size. Uh, and also, you wouldn't feel pain punching a man if your fist was just a big old hunk of ham. Yeah, you could you, punch all day with that. You could. You could also still pleasure another person. No problem. Yeah, ham is a supple meat. Certainly. And it feels like flesh. I mean, it is flesh. Yeah. You mean human flesh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was, I uh, just as a sort of asterisk to the entire Dumpster Dive series, 
When I say flesh, I mean human flesh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just a shorthand for yeah. the vernacular we're deploying here. Yeah. Any flesh references are human flesh. Yes. So that's you specific. too. You too as well. You're gonna. Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. You're gonna always mean human flesh. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm gonna go right. by the dumpster dive style book, Chris. S- yeah. Standards and practices do dictate. Uh. So yeah. I mean, I see what you're saying. Um. I mean, I guess. I guess as much as ham is a delicious um, thing and it is a flesh-like thing. I mean, it is flesh, as you point out. Um, and it's the right size if it's a fist size. It What it is not is dexterous. And that's Chris, something if it's that right people... There, if, it's, if it's right there at the end of your wrist, mm-hmm. how is it different than... Your clenched fist. That's true. I guess I mean, people, people the, don't the use fist their fists is not a, yeah, dexterously. It's not known yeah. for dexterity. Mm. It's for pummeling. Yeah. The the price you pay in dexterity, you gain in uh you know potency, I suppose. Yeah. Now now what I'm now what I'm wondering is if maybe uh it's it's referring to uh, the fist at the end of a real ham's arm, like a guy who would be regarded as a ham. And oh, you don't really yeah. think of that guy as being a great fighter. True. Uh, uh, an accomplished pugilist. Yeah, he's probably a so nerd. Kind of, yeah, kind of worthless and weak. That's a ham's fist. Right. Right. Ham. I think I, I think I got there in the end, Chris. I I finally understand the term. I I had uh, always shied away from using it. You understand the term no as we'll use it in the dumpster dive style book. I think it's got a it's got a pretty clear definition at last in at least one major <laughs> news <laughs> magazine's yeah. uh, style book. Yeah, and that's the dumpster dives style book. Great stuff, Chris. Let's hope we can discuss the song The Method with such incisive acuity. Yes, and such uh, rabid urgency. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's, let's play the song and see if it don't inspire. Yeah, yeah let's find out. Whoa, I watched you watching me from laboratory fire the breathing mask and safety goggles accentuate your eyes. Suddenly I feel that which the method would never allow. I try to abide by the methodology, but all I want is to follow my heart. When you're a part of the scientific scene The greatest monster of all is love Chemistry cannot explain This burning I feel inside You've catalyzed a titration That's nailed 
Well, okay, I'm rabidly urgent now, and urgently rabid. My thinking gears are spinning so fast that they look like blurred discs. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was going to say I'll have to take your word for it, but I'm get you'll have to take your own word for it as well. Surely, you can't be observing your worrying gears. I do have a tiny. GoPro. I have the I have the uh, GoPro Neuropath attached nice. to my to my left ear, and I can I can see some of the gears in there. And whether because of the frame rate on the GoPro uh, NP or or because of the gears themselves, they are blurring. They're moving so fast. Now, Chris, tell me what uh, what are your memories of the method? I mean, this is your first lead vocal yes in the we are scientists can yes so you know 
m- most of our songs you've probably utterly forgotten, but this one has to have some sentimental value. It absolutely does. I mean, it it broke open an entire new realm of possibility for me. I, it, it was like uh, you know cresting a mountain and seeing the valley of promise that uh, lay below. Sunlight dappled with a river of uh, honeydew juice running All right. through its. Now, now I, I'm regretting. <clears throat> I'm regretting having ceded that pause to you. <laughs> yeah, what were you going to say? What were you going to do with it? Well, I mean, it wasn't going to be any. It wasn't going uh, to be more prosperous direction. Okay. But I was going to say that uh, you know, last week we discussed Mothra versus We Are Scientists, which was my first lead vocal in a We Are Scientists song. That's right. And I remember that one very well and not a single other song in its entirety uh, until probably With Love and Squalor. Yeah. Like, I think Mothra versus We Are Scientists is the only pre-With Love and Squalor song I could sing to you, uh, you know, lyric for lyric. Mm-hmm. I went back and listened to the method uh, earlier today, and obviously just now. But when I when I listened to it for the first time earlier today in a long time, there were definitely lyrics that I did not remember. Oh, well, it's funny because I think I think the um, you know the special nature of it being your first lyric actually helped me remember the lyrics to that song. Like yeah. I've held it dear, yeah. Yeah, you you were like a proud parent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I was. I I I think for me, I'm more the entitled brat who uh, takes, uh, you know, takes his early accomplishments for granted, and then later, you know, didn't quite live up to the expectations. Yeah, I mean, uh, this just simply as a demonstration of how quickly that sort of pride can diminish. Mm. Uh, I believe your second lead vocal in a We Are Scientists song was that Bella B cover. No. Chris, oh. No. no I, well, I was going to say, I don't remember a single goddamn German word of that. Yeah, but actually, the second uh, Chris Kane vocal was on The Nature of Empirical Truth. Oh yeah, oh that's true. That's true. Yeah, and I I bet you're haunted by those lyrics. Yeah, Chris, I bet. I actually, <laughs> I wonder if I could deliver them all right now. It wouldn't be interesting to. I mean, actually, it'd probably be very interesting to listeners. Yeah, to, it's, it's a pretty serpentine to, learn, to see where it went after. I've got friends who can touch their toes, and green grasshoppers have red assholes. And pricks <laughs> like to look down their nose. There you go. Yeah. Jimmy off it in, just disappear. You never drink <laughs> liquor after you drink beer. And midgets have nothing to fear. I don't know. I don't, what does that last part even mean? I, I just think... Uh, it's just empirically you're just, true. You're just, yeah, I think you're... <laughs> exactly. it's, not that it's, it's not that it's a priori truth. These are empirical truths. So yeah, they don't well, have I've, to make sense. They're just true. I, I, you know, I guess if uh, by necessity we were trying to defend the empirical truth of that statement, we could say there's an implied parenthetical, like from me, 
Right. They have nothing to fear from you, and you can know that empirically. You have empirical proof for that, at least historically. Or, or and also uh, because of my GoPro uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, sure, sure. I don't. I don't remember if you had that back then. Yeah, maybe you did. I think I did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I had that. I think I was wearing that. Um, the method. Uh, was an interesting list, and it, it it had more resonance for the present moment than uh, I was anticipating. Sure, sure. You know, love in the lab, and and just sort of the, the laboratory setting is is not far from. Well, but per- perhaps more specifically, uh, you know, the the notion of navigating interpersonal closeness. Mm. Uh, from while while with the prophylactic of safety goggles and breathing masks. That's a good point. I hadn't I mean, even that's thought a, about that. Yeah. That's that's something you're living right now, Chris. Given uh, your carnal interest in strangers, quarantine uh, involves you know you wearing all sorts of protective gear to avoid the COVID. And right now, for Lotharios the game has essentially been reduced to a visual one. I was just reading in, uh, I think, a fairly disreputable section of the New York Times, like the style section. Or something, well, the already that, failing New York Times. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Needless to say, it's failing, but... A disreputable um, section of a disreputable paper, Chris. <laughs> right, so D squared. They were talking about how... Um, intimate selfies are are becoming a a source of increased importance for especially singles who who you know are not at home with uh, a loved one and are sort of left with little more than texting and so forth and obviously in terms of any kind of visual contact with a fellow human being the nude selfie i, I mean chris let me interrupt you there as far as i'm concerned uh, the the intimate selfie is already at peak value. I couldn't value it any more than I always have. Okay, but you might have been a leader in that situation. Be damned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's well. So it is the the ultimate um, sort of condom wrapped intimacy. Like there is absolutely zero risk beyond reputational risk. To. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think there are uh, there are many people for whom your assertion that the transmission of intimate uh, photos or video holds zero risk, yeah, uh, might might prove laughable, but ruefully laughable. <laughs> God, okay, I get it. Yeah. No, I'm just. Well, I just didn't want you to think this was going to be like a not like you laugh at a Steve Martin film. Right. It's the but, way you laugh at uh, you know, Seth MacFarlane oh, property ruefully yeah. with self-loathing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I get you it. You get it, Chris? I think so. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think so. Uh the song was making me think about the idea of um total self-control. Like the, okay. the 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 narrator in the song seems to regret his attraction. He he says that the seems m- to Chris. Yeah, yeah. 
the greatest monster of all is love. The greatest monster is you, my love, etc. cetera. Uh, and it occurs to me that in this, you know, in this moment where we're, we're so focused on constraining our susceptibility to very physical uh, infection, mm-hmm. there's a sort of permanent crisis for human beings in our inability to constrain our susceptibility to uh, attraction. And some of us are better at it than others, but it, I think it is more than just a problem of, I don't think it's just those who willingly walk into it who struggle with this, right? Like this is, this is, this is a problem as old as time and not just because it's not fatal, but rather because we as biological creatures seem to have this nagging disposition toward, uh, well, the spread. All caps, Keith. Chris, you had my curiosity, but now you've got my attention. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm just wondering, is there a way to inoculate ourselves against this cursed desire. Is there a way that we can successfully eliminate this, uh, you know, haranguing weight on our psyches from our daily lives? So far, we've been very unsuccessful in it. And it's, we consider ourselves to be pretty modern versions of the species, but it remains a uh, life destroyer for a lot of people. And for, for many, many, many more, uh, a constant nag. Is there something that uh, Tony Fauci can prescribe that will allow us to leave this behind? Can we, can we finally gather safely in groups again? <laughs> okay. I mean, yes. Pro- I mean, I, Chris, I hope you've got an answer for this. You're not just pitch pitching the query and walking, leaving me to hold these Fauciian scales on my own. I mean, listen, I looked up, uh, I looked up the laws surrounding castration, things like that. Uh, you know, an FYI, you can get castrated um, if you want to, at almost anywhere. <laughs> well, at least in the United States. <laughs> At least in the United States, all 50 states, you can voluntarily be castrated. Uh, but that doesn't help women. I mean, you know, worst case scenario, you could just uh, slam yourself in a car door a couple times. Be done with it. Yeah, that's that's even even car manufacturers do not indemnify themselves against the result of your sterilization. Uh, should you choose to use the vehicle for that purpose, whether the car doors or the glove box. But this doesn't help women. There's no, they don't have anything they can slam in the car door, per se, uh, to rid themselves. So as a species, are we damned to this weakness? Chris, per- perhaps it's what defines us. Maybe that's what separates us from the apes, you know? Oh, I... I don't think it. I don't think that <laughs> well, would I'm be. Just, Chris, I'm just spitballing here, and I don't much appreciate <laughs> your dismissing it out of hand. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm Sorry. just <laughs> dipping my toe into this pool 
and you're already telling me the water is, you know, ice cold. I'm just I'm I'm just wondering if it isn't awfully similar for apes. I I think that uh, they at least are not known for putting romantic concerns behind them after bearing child. I think penguins are supposed They've to be nailed it. Pretty monogamous, right? Swan, like they, the mighty swan. Chris. Does the swan does the swan mate for life? That's what they say. That's what swans say, anyway. What they're doing behind closed doors <laughs> yeah. Yeah. is another thing entirely, perhaps. Uh, I wonder if it allows penguins and swans more sort of free time later in life to. I mean, to kinda... well, now if I can go back to those apes, it doesn't seem like the, the apes are uh, wanting for free time, even with the 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 cudgel of romantic. Uh, distraction beating them over the head constantly. <laughs> they seem like they have plenty of free time. So what I'm saying is maybe we're the only ones worrying about this, Chris. Mm, if we simply accept it and live with it for a minute. It's like in uh, meditation where you're encouraged not so much to try to banish thoughts, but rather to hold them in front of you and focus on them. And then they will simply fade. Man, check this out. A little quick, uh, sorry to change the subject. Please. Quickly. Uh, so swans, just a little quick bit of research. Swans usually mate for life, although, quote, divorce sometimes occurs, particularly following nesting failure. And if a mate dies, which Chris brings to mind, uh... Uh, uh, maybe our most human document, Total Recall. Oh, yeah. Wherein Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, essentially assassinates his wife. Consider this a divorce. And then, yeah, comically advises her to consider that a, quote, divorce. Divorce. So it sounds like we are a lot like swans. Yeah. You're right, Chris. Thank you. We're not so different. From those other putatively monogamous animals. We and swans. Thank you. <laughs> I concede. I concede. Okay, now, Chris, I was thinking a lot yeah. about the second verse. Okay, yeah. Uh, in which you report that the object of your affection mm-hmm. has catalyzed a titration mm-hmm. that's nebulized your mind. Yeah. Now, while on the surface, that's a hugely romantic sentiment. And, when and we, very coherent. Yeah, when we actually, <laughs> we actually back up from it. Uh, yeah, it, 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 if only it were more sensible, it would seem perhaps too clinical. Okay, do tell. So I assumed, I assumed that there had to be just a little bit of cheeky humor there. Because, yeah, it doesn't really track. Well, doesn't it? I mean, titrations occur after some sort of uh, catalytic. Some sort of, but, 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 you admit, but, do you not, that by introducing a catalyst, you could cause a titration? Sure, know? yes. Okay. And now, what if that titration occurred in a solution that was the very substrate of your mind? Would that not nebulize your mind? Look, anyway, the point is, Chris. It struck me as deeply humorous 
mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. reminded me of your favorite television show, Chris. Oh. The, the show that most people have often said you should write for. I can't believe you're bringing this up. The Big Bang Theory. Yes. Seems like the kind of thing that a character on The Big Bang Theory would say. Yes. And Chris, I did a little bit of research. Okay. I'm wondering if your narrator in this song is in fact a character named Sheldon from The Big Bang Theory. Sheldon, of course. Yeah. I mean, he's... Yeah, he'd be the closest analog on that Chris, show. I want to give you some quotes from Sheldon. Okay. And I would like you to comment. I'd like you to say how maybe if you were a writer on The Big Bang Theory, you would tweak these. And But then finally, I would like you to concede that maybe this longtime fan conspiracy theory is true. All right. Well, let's let's see if you can uh, pin me down. As of As of now, I am denying. That NBC or ABC or CBS TV's The Big Bang Theory uh-huh. is part of the method universe. Okay. Sheldon says, Chris, there's to, to uh, an undisclosed personage, mm-hmm. there's no denying that I have feelings for you that can't be explained in any other way. I briefly considered that I had a brain parasite. But that seems even more far-fetched. The only conclusion was love, Chris. Any ideas why he would think that a brain parasite was more far-fetched than uh, interpersonal feelings for so clinically-minded a bastard? Um, Probably because he takes such great care to avoid parasitic infection. Uh, I mean, that's one of his character traits on the show. He's... Um, like he only, he only imbibes chemical sludge that like from little Tyvek packs that that, cannot support organic life. Yeah. Because they're, they're oxygen starved. Yeah. Even as they, even as the nutrients once ingested can, uh, propagate life. Sure. Sure. Okay. Theoretically. But Chris. Because listen to this quote okay. in okay. which it becomes readily apparent that the the idea of having interpersonal feelings is maybe the most far-fetched notion possible. Uh-huh. Some Leonard, a character named Leonard, says to him, guess what just happened? And then Sheldon says, hilariously, try try if you're I'd lean away from the microphone because I don't want your laughter to okay. overwhelm my, <laughs> my delivery. You went out in the hallway, stumbled into an interdimensional portal, which brought you 5,000 years into the future where you took advantage of the advanced technology to build a time machine. And now you're back to bring us all with you to the year 7010, where we are transported to work at the Thinkatorium by telepathically controlled flying dolphins. And Leonard says, no. And Sheldon says, ah. And I don't know. uh, It's not clear here whether he's disappointed that his guess was incorrect or that that didn't happen. Like, it's not, is he disappointed in himself or disappointed in 
events. Mm. Anyway, Leonard says, Penny kissed me. And Sheldon says, who would ever guess that? Wow. So, Chris. His grasp of probability is very shaky. Yeah, so he seems he seems to think in order of probability, the least probable is brain parasite. Yeah. Second less probably, uh, interpersonal affection. And the most probable is this thing with the thinkatorium and dolphins. Yeah, going going to 70-10 to be enslaved by dolphins. Yes, sir. No, look. He's a very he's a very sick man. <laughs> uh, he's in the he's in the throes of psychosis on every episode, and it's a it's a very sad show. And that's actually what I like about it. Um, but it's not the way a lot of people read it, and that has always sort of flummoxed me. I, yeah, uh, and just as my last quote, and this one, you know, really doesn't have all that much to do anymore with uh, what, you know, the the issue at hand in the method. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just wanted to get your take on what exactly might be happening in this scene. Okay. Sheldon's interacting with someone named Penny. And we're only given two, two lines of dialogue here. So your guess is as good as mine, Chris. Right. Sheldon says, all I need is a healthy ovum and I can grow my own Leonard Nimoy. And Penny says, okay, all I'm giving you is the napkin, Sheldon. Mm. The end of end of scene, I guess. Is Penny being helpful in that scenario? Or is she uh <clears throat> Yeah, well I remember you know, this withhold- scene. is she withholding? I mean, I remember this scene. You you haven't seen this episode? <laughs> no, sorry. Yeah, so and and there's no like stage direction in none, in the, Chris. In, oh, yeah. This isn't okay. a sh- this isn't a shooting script. <laughs> Got it. No. Got it. So in the scene, um, Sheldon has um, has Penny in a in his laboratory, uh, mm. which is okay, which, which is in the apartment, and she For is sure. yeah, and she's on. Um, She's reclined and she's got her legs in stirrups. Okay. Okay. And he has on, you know, all his, uh, he's got on his gown and his protective gear. The trappings, the trappings of his avocation. Yeah. His PPE, all that stuff. His, his face shield, um, all that stuff. And he's breathing mask, his breathing mask and safety goggles. Exactly. Exactly. He's actually wearing a, um, positive pressure suit, a space suit, as it were, and his laboratory, as any fan of the show knows, is a negative pressure laboratory. So, if anything, um, if he gets a rip in his suit, you know, air is going to go out that rip and up into the filtration system. It, 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 just suffice it to say, he is in no danger. I feel like you're dissembling right now. I'm just saying he's in no danger. I know you heard okay, that. I know you heard that she's on the table with her legs and stirrups. He's in gotcha. no danger, Keith. Got it. He's in no danger. And that's when and it's in that very moment that he makes his request. And she uh so his his trusty assistant 
Igor Stravinsky um, uh, is not is yeah. There's a little hunchback um, assistant in the show. Is he related to the great composer? It's left a little bit. Um, it's left a little bit unclear. But it yeah. The idea is that he was harvested from the great composer's corpse. Oh, or perhaps in the same manner as. Uh, Sheldon intends to create his own Leonard Nimoy. He created his own. Yeah, exactly. Igor Stravinsky, but ended up with a, you know, homunculus version that's only suitable for carrying tools and cleaning wipes. Bags of rice, et cetera. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Precisely. Precisely, Keith. Uh, So she offers to hand him a napkin, basically. To assist with the procedure, <laughs> and then and then the rest of the scene has no dialogue, but it goes on for the rest of the episode, a full twenty minutes, and it's a very intense to watch. I was I was hoping that uh, there would be some sort of punnery involving like the conflation of uh, like human tissue. And a napkin, like a tissue and a napkin. Mm. Uh, but that's that's unexplored in this little snippet of dialogue I have. And that is how you know that I do not write for the show. Yeah, you would have really gotten into, and now I'm extracting tissue, he would say. And then she would report, all I'm giving you is this napkin. Keith, I would have. Big bang. I would have That's the that's the interstitial music. I would have banged that gag against a tree while yeah, I would have picked it up in a sleeping bag. Yeah, yeah, you would have Voorhees against it. a tree. You would have made like Jason Voorhees <laughs> in a simulacrum. Well, on that note, Chris. Let's go watch Jason X. I'm at it. Yeah.